This podcast is brought to you by Yeshivat Tekoa under the auspices of the Steinsalt Center. The Steinsalt Center is responsible for all the activities of Rabbi Adin Eben Yisrael Steinsaltz. Its goal is to promote the Rabbi's mission of Let My People Know, making a world of Jewish knowledge accessible to all. The center's activities include publishing the Rabbi's writings and teachings, establishing educational programs and centers, and much more. For more information, please Google the Steinsalt Center or enter the link in the podcast description. The Thirteen-Petaled Rose, a discourse on the essence of Jewish existence and belief. Written by Rabbi Evan Yisrael Steinsaltz. Chapter 6. The Way of Choice. An Answer to Ethics. Just as there is content to a man's actions and thoughts in the course of his living his life and worshipping his God, so are there proper ways for him to do things. These ways will naturally tend to express certain content of their own, reflecting his particular orientation to the inner life. In Judaism, this way is not simple, nor is it one consistent thing. Not only are there in principle many possible alternatives, but even where there are no alternatives, there is fluidity. From a certain point of view, the right style of life for the soul of man must be full of contradiction, problems, disunity, because man himself is not a single consistent entity, either as a human being in general or as a particular individual. Every person has his own spiritual essence, whose uniqueness not only is the result of his heredity and education, but exists by divine intention. For each and every human being has a specific task to perform in the world, a task that no one else can accomplish though there may well be better and more gifted people around to do it. Only he can do it in a certain way, in the singular composite of manner, personality, and circumstance that belongs to him. Divine service in the world is divided up with each human being, like the primordial Adam, put in charge of a certain portion of God's garden to work it and keep it. It is said that in the Torah there are 70 faces, which are the 70 faces of the divine Shekhinah, and that these contain 600,000 faces in accordance with the number of primary souls of Israel, so that every individual soul has a certain part in the Torah. In other words, each soul understands and does things in a way not suitable for another soul. Everyone can and should learn from others the proper way of doing things. 
But in the end, each person has to follow his own winding path to the goal that is his heart's desire. Some lives have an emotional emphasis, others an intellectual one. For some, the way of joy is natural. For others, existence is full of effort and struggle. There are people for whom purity of heart is the most difficult thing in the world, while for others, it is a given as a gift from birth. What is more, not only is there no equality among people, there is even no consistency within the life of a single person. There are the great differences between the various ages of youth and maturity, and the small differences within the year, the week, the day, such as the Sabbath and the times of prayer. And of course, there is the difference in the manner in which the same person will approach varying situations, which is not meant to imply that there is no difference at all between a good and a bad course of action, between good qualities and bad qualities, between a right and a wrong way of doing things. It is simply that even though these differences clearly and distinctly exist, they are not to be taken as something intrinsic to the attributes, actions, or things involved. As a general rule, there are no attributes of the soul that are good or bad. One cannot determine that a given quality is always and with every person the same. In certain societies and cultures, love, pity, and compassion may be considered good. And yet, there may also be occasions outside these cultures, and even within them, when these qualities could be considered bad, leading one astray into sadness or sin. Similarly, pride, selfishness, and even hate are not always bad attributes. As the sages have said, there is no attribute that lacks its injurious aspect, its negation and failure. Such as there is no attribute, even if connected with doubt and heresy, that is not under some circumstances its holy aspect. From this point of view, the good and bad qualities are not set opposite one another, with love always on the side of the good and the other qualities always on the side of the bad. Rather, all the attributes, all the emotions, and all the potentialities of the heart and personality are set on the same level and considered good or bad, not according to some judgment of their intrinsic worth, but according to the way they are used. In Hebrew, good attributes are called good measures, which suggests that the excellence of a quality is determined by its proportion, not by its being what it is in itself, but by its properly related use in particular circumstances. Everything that is not in the right measure that relates out of proportion to a situation tends to be bad. The good is thus that which is contained within proper limits, and the bad that which breaks out and goes beyond these limits. And it does not matter whether this exceeding of boundaries is positive or negative, restrictive or excessive, whether refusal of affection or even generosity in love. And, in fact, 
This need for balance is true of every living organism. Each cell in the organism has a certain form and a fixed rate of growth. And whenever a form is distorted or its growth exceeds what it should be, the result is pathology. The evil in the world is just a bursting of bounds, that which allows for the existence of parasitic and injurious factors. It is easy to confuse this principle of keeping within the proper bounds with mediocrity, with being neither one thing nor another. In reality, there is a vast difference. What the Jewish sages recommend is not only a middle way, it is a rejection of extremes in terms of a clear knowledge of how to keep everything, including the extreme, in its proper place. Consequently, in general, there are no preconceptions about what is the correct conduct for all situations. Since the correctness of a way of being is itself only measurable in terms of a specific set of circumstances that may or may not recur. There is therefore no possibility of fixing a single standard of behavior. If anything is clear, is that a rigid, unchanging way is wrong. Furthermore, this principle of movement, of constant change, is the principle manifested by the soul itself in its life on earth. To be sure, a person needs a special teacher or a great deal of guidance in order to be able always to find the right measure. Usually choosing the correct way grows out of the soul's continual oscillation from one extreme to another. This pendulum swing of experience brings about a certain synthesis somewhere in the middle. Although too often it is an artificial middle, merely halfway between good and evil, and neither one nor the other. The essence of life in the world, as formulated in Jewish writings, is exemplified by the terrible progress of the divine fire, to and fro, up and back, the constant rhythm of the breath and the heart's blood, as indicated in Ezekiel chapter 1. This principle of fluctuation seems even to be at the root of man's relation to heaven and earth, evinced as the urge to extricate himself from the bonds of matter and rise toward the divine, and the equally urgent need to return to the world with its problems, its substantiality, its life of sadness. To remain in any one condition of being above or below represents a cessation of effort, a dying and therefore an evil. At times the yearning for heaven is great enough to make one leave behind the world and everything in it. At other times the clutching of the earthly realities of action and the fulfillment of desire make one forget all else. This is not only a matter of periods in one's life. It is the very nature of life itself. In both the ascent to God and the descent to matter, there is holiness. Never is any one way wholly sufficient unto itself, and it is only when they exist together that they constitute a real passage between heaven and earth. Similarly, there is no essential conflict or struggle 
in the opposition between mind and emotion, scholarship and faith, intellectual inquiry, and simplicity of soul. The right way of life does not require unity in this respect. On the contrary, it makes it obligatory to immerse oneself in the contradiction of these two approaches. A definite rhythm is established with the regular daily alternation of study and prayer. The study of the Talmud and associated literature is basically intellectual and often rises to abstract thinking and even probes the nature of doubt. Prayer is an entirely different activity with its own time set apart. It is an experience of feeling and devotion, of forgetting of all doubts and complaints in a simple earnestness, a purity of heart. A Jewish person is required to be in both these worlds, moving from the clarity and lucidity of a certain aspect of study of the Torah, which is almost blinding in its luminescence to a critical and stubborn questioning of things that have no ultimate answer, and then on again to the realm of feeling and utmost devotion. The rhythmic oscillation is considered proper. To get stuck in any one aspect, whether it be study or devotion, is considered a grievous error. With this unusual synthesis as a fundamental approach, Judaism has been able to develop two branches, which, from the outside, seem to be worlds apart and totally contradictory the soaring power of prophecy, and the careful performing of the mitzvot with precise attention to detail. Jewish life and thought is not merely a reconciliation of these two. It lives in the rhythmic fluctuation between them as the only possible course of holiness. The essence of spirituality cannot be localized in either the wisdom of the intellect or the simplicity of the heart. Being beyond all these, it can, however, be reached by the constancy of a struggle to overcome the contradiction. Indeed, the contradiction itself offers a passage from one world to another. As one transfers attention from the inwardness of prayer and yearning for the divine to the outwardness of reason, study, and correct action, one becomes aware of the divine order of things that everything has its proper place, measure, and time. Indeed, the Jewish scriptures are full of this contradiction, as sharply emphasizing of the most minute detail as they are sublimely aware of the highest and most all-embracing truths, as ready to question everything as to accept without question. The Holy One is discovered to be beyond all this. He is imminent and flows within life. In the passage from one world to another, from one way of doing things to another, from one right measure of existence to the whole world of forms, thus the possibilities of relating and responding to God are countless in number. There is no above or below in approaching him, no preference between mind or feeling. On the contrary, in moving up and back from one such realm of experience to the other, its apparent opposite in life, one reaches a rhythm of being 
which is the life of holiness. Thank you.